Perfectionism is one thing that really prevents us from moving forward with our goals or with our businesses. It can stop us in our tracks and become an excuse for why we haven't really truly made the effort to achieve our goals. For example, maybe you have said something like this, I just need to make sure my website is perfect before I promote it. The messaging needs to be spot on for my target audience. Well, sure it does. But if you add your passion in there, it will already resonate. You can make tweaks later as you talk to your target audience. Here's another one. I just need to make sure my videos look professional before I start posting them on YouTube. If I slip up, I'll look silly. Great. But people are really liking the real raw you because it makes you more relatable. Do it imperfectly. Done is better than perfect. Heard these things before? But how, you ask, how do I do it imperfectly? Well, we need to illuminate the lies we're believing underneath the perfectionism we're displaying. We need to get to that root so that we can overcome the stronghold in our life. When we let go of perfectionism, we can move into the freedom God has called us to. Today, I have my new friend Winter on the show with me so that we can talk about the three ways to recognize perfectionism in our lives, what the seed of perfectionism really is, and finally, we'll talk about how to break up with this cause of perfectionism for good. Winter Liscano is a passionate pursuer of Jesus, ministry leader, entrepreneur, and the marketing cheerleader you didn't even know that you needed. As a Christian marketing coach, her job is to discover the gold of your heart's mission in your business or ministry and help you grow it online. She's driven by the peace and confidence her clients experience when they cut through the overwhelm of social media and simplify a strategy that is doable so they make a kingdom impact in their God-ordained purpose. She is my kind of people, so let's dive in with Winter. Hey friend, welcome to Pursuing Goals God's Way. Have you thought about finally starting that business now that your kids are older? Do you ever stay awake wondering how to mesh your passions into purposeful work? Do you have big, ambitious goals but feel overwhelmed or even unqualified to pursue them? Hey, I'm Gabe. Not too long ago, I longed for the confidence to start an online business. I just wanted to make a difference outside my home bubble using my gifts. But I kept telling myself that I wasn't good enough, I didn't know enough, and I didn't have enough time. Until I realized something huge. My kids need me to be their example and they need to see me win. And yours do too. In this podcast, you will learn how to clarify your goals, plan with purpose, and ditch your distractions. If you're ready to make an impact and an income, all for the glory of God, then you're in the right place. As an avid runner, I believe life is one massive marathon. It's up to you to run your own race and to finish it well. So lace up those running shoes, pop in your earbuds, and let's do this thing. Hi, Winter. Welcome to Pursuing Goals God's Way with me. I'm really excited to have you here talking all things perfectionism with me. Yes, me too. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. Now I gave your formal introduction already and my listeners know the first thing I ask interviewees is to tell me something unique about you that we may not just know if we like searched your name. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I'm a former college athlete. So I played soccer growing up and in college. So this is a great entryway into the topic of perfectionism when it comes to doing things God's way is doing it from even having that athlete in that sports background for that. Um, I live in Nashville and I'm a cancer survivor. So that's another unique um, tidbit about me as well. So very grateful by God's grace that I am here and I'm well and I'm thriving and I get to pour into all of you ladies. So that's a little bit about me. 
wow, so many directions I could go with just those <laughs> unique things that I know. <laughs> I am an athlete as well and loved that atmosphere. But I can tell you, and my oldest is an elite gymnast and the atmosphere of like the discipline and the commitment and just the the striving. And I feel right. like even gymnastics, it's all about perfection. You have to have clean lines and all the things. Yes. Like it really can um, be a detriment to us if we don't know how to handle it well. Absolutely. So I'm excited to like dive into that a little bit more and Absolutely. dissect it. Now, a cancer survivor, yeah. when did you um, go into remission? Tell me just a little bit about that. Yeah. So in 2017, uh, I had not been sick as an adult most of my adult life. And the season prior to being uh, to 2017, uh, March 1st, I was just getting sick like fairly often. And this is a very, very short story or short journey of it. But by March 1st, it was finally at the point where I had been tested for all the things, mono, strep, uh, you know, what have you. I had even gone in for regular routine blood work in January and nothing was coming up positive or having any kind of answer. So March 1st of 2017, I was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia and went basically within 24 hours, was admitted into the hospital and started 24-hour drip of chemo. And basically with any kind of blood cancer, at least for mine, because it's the fastest growing blood cancers, they kind of throw what they call a blanket of chemo over your bone marrow to stop your, basically your bone marrow from producing more blood cells so that they can essentially find where the mutation was. So you're pushing a remission fairly quickly when it comes to blood cancer. So within, you know, a couple of weeks, you know, I had bottomed out my bone marrow, so I was technically in remission, um, but I was discharged on day 23 as my bone marrow started to reproduce and regrow itself and ended up having a, a stem cell transplant three months later. So 2017 was a pretty rigorous year to say that very lightly, um, very hardest year of my life, um, going through all of those things and, and having to die to my agendas and my to-do lists. I was, I was really at the peak of ministry and job life, had a lot of people expecting things from me and, um, was, yeah, just having to like kind of surrender all of it in order to survive, basically. So uh, by the end of that year, um, after my, my stem cell transplant, it's learning a new normal. It's learning new boundaries. It's learning how to say no and how to say yes. And really how to die to the expectations of others that were was kind of driving that, that need, you know, to be affirmed and to be worthy of love. And to allow the Lord to kind of rewrite the map of what this new normal for me was going to be um, from there on forward. Um, and what came out of that was becoming an entrepreneur. So that was kind of one of the things that God really birthed was allowing me to kind of have the time freedom um, to be able to take time off or go to doctor's appointments, you know, without having to be on a eight to five schedule. So um, it's been a new normal. It's been um, hard. It's been a grieving process as well to really grieve some things that are different and um, not what they should be. You know, we're talking about all things spiritual, what what they should not be in the kingdom of God and really having to grieve the loss of that. So um, 
yeah, so that that is what has brought me here and uh, just getting to minister to other people and to really speak life and healing over them, you know, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, we overcome. And I don't take that lightly because I have definitely overcome and been on death's doorstep. So I'm very thankful. Oh, you have overcome. What a story and what a testimony and journey that God brought you through. Yeah. And it is so crazy because our path, like what we imagine our path to be, it just never really turns out that way, does it? And no. our perfectionism can kind of get in that way where we can either feel stubborn or we don't want to walk in it or, you know, we give up for what it is that he's calling us to. And it's like, no, I have something better for you. Right. And I was going to ask you, did you start your entrepreneurial journey before that? Or was it an aftermath? And I love how God has turned it to make it something that you can use as an impact to help other women right. to find um, their own passion and purpose in ministry mm -hmm. or business. Yeah. Yeah. I started, I had started in 2015 and I hated it. I had started a business to work from home and I hated it. And then the Lord brought this, this job to me that was in a faith-based nonprofit working with the international community. And I was like, this feels like the right fit, but it was even in that season. That was, even though I was only there for about a year, because before I got sick, it was really God's provision. And there's so many miracle stories, you know, in my own testimony of healing from that, um, that God really used to care for me and, and love me and, and really see me through 2017. So coming again back to it after being sick was like, it was really the Lord. Cause I had started another job after being sick. And I was like, you know what? I just don't know if this is the right fit anymore. I had been there for a couple of years. This was in 2019. And I just remember the Lord really showing me that I think you can do this again. I'm like, well, you're going to have to make it really clear because this job feels like it was made for me. And I had signed up for a, I don't know if anybody knows Christy Wright and Business Boutique with Dave Ramsey. She mm -hmm. does her conferences here. She used to. Yes. And, have you uh, gone live? I have. I yes. was there in 2021, maybe. Okay. I actually think I was there too. We could have met. We didn't we even know it. Exactly. Um, that's what's so fun about living in Nashville, but I had signed up for her business boutique with a client of mine actually. And I, and this was where I was really contemplating, like stepping away from this new job that I had to do entrepreneur first time. And I walked into Panera to meet with my boss at the time and Christy Wright was sitting in Panera. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I hear you like loud and clear that this is the new, you know, the new journey that you have for me. Um, and it was in that meeting that I resigned seeing her at Panera. So it's really neat how the Lord works and how he just continues to affirm his word. And he's just looking for our, our yes. He's looking for our step of faith. He's looking for our courage. You know, even when we don't have all, all the pieces laid out, that's what he's looking for is that we trust him. Yeah. I mean, we could turn this just into a trust talk. I mean, I, oh my I have gosh. so many questions. <laughs> I, know. I, I also think that comes with perfectionism yeah. that sometimes it's a trust thing too. And I know yeah. we're going to kind of dive into the roots of perfectionism. Yeah. So let's move into that a little bit and yeah. tell me, maybe you could just define what you would say perfectionism is and why it does prevent us from experiencing true freedom, especially I feel yeah. like as women, we get caught in it a lot. 
Yeah, totally. If we're talking about the the basic definition of perfectionism, and I would venture to say that there are probably a lot of women listening to this and thinking to themselves, I'm not a perfectionist. <laughs> you know, this doesn't apply to me. Um, I have healthy striving or I have healthy goals, you know, that I am pursuing. Um, and so I want to, I want to confront that thought uh, for any women that are listening to just consider the idea of what this is. You don't have to be a perfectionist as a life label. It could be in one area of your life. It could be in motherhood. It could be in marriage. It could be in your entrepreneurial journey. It could be in ministry. Um, but the basic definition of perfectionism is entirely without fault or defect. It's a degree of accuracy or excellence that cannot be bettered. It's sort of this lofty goal or level of, you know, quote unquote, achievement that we're trying to obtain. Um, but if we actually begin to identify and define perfectionism in our lives, it's and we get below the surface because perfectionism has a lot to do with everything on the outside, right? So if I make the perfect lunches and bring the perfect snacks to my kids' soccer games, if I, you know, have the perfect uh, website, if I have the perfect lead magnet, if I have, you know, the perfect um, facade of even how I carry myself when I'm at church so that other people see me in a certain way, then maybe below the surface, there's something going on that needs to be healed. And it needs to be set free because that is what is driving this need on this outward performance and what we call the behaviors um, that we're never going to find true freedom if we're just behavior modifying. If I just change my schedule, if I just, you know, get all my to-do lists done, if I just reorient my time in order to feel like I have been relieved of the burden of stress and overwhelm, then I'll be okay. And I think this is the lie sometimes in the church is how do we continue to be Christ followers, check all the boxes, read our Bibles, pray the certain prayers and do all the things. And so we, we continue to strive and hustle and hustle and hustle and hustle until we get burned out when really our heart has never been truly touched by the Holy Spirit. It's never been changed. It's never been transformed into this authentic, intimate relationship with him. And that is really what he wants. And so when we think about perfectionism as it pertains to us as women it's this belief that we are inherently flawed, that something within us needs to be fixed. It's this striving for acceptance, it's this striving for uh, approval. And so we strive and we perform and we behave in order to really at the core is to be loved and to be accepted, right? So we do all the things that our kids want us to. We do all the things our, our husbands want us to. We do all the things that our audience in our business wants us to um, in order to basically have them receive us, accept us. And, but at the end of the day, we're still internally struggling. We're still internally wrestling with these ideas and these thoughts that are driving that need um, to be accepted. And we won't actually ever get free until we identify where the root issue of perfectionism comes into play. That's so much that we're going to need to unpack here. I know. Uh, yeah. Cause I can even see it too in my own life that I've, I don't even know if that's like what I thought it was. Right. right. But it's, it is the whole, well, I need to 
do this because this is what I'm supposed to do and I want people that like me. And I think as an entrepreneur too, you're like, I don't want the negative. I don't want anyone to not like me. So I'm going to try and walk on eggshells here. But the one thing that I, even just in church on Sunday, our pastor was talking and he was saying, you know, you are not going to be liked all the time. If you're Mm -hmm. liked all the time, then we probably need to look at what's going on in your life. Because God said that if you walk with me, it's going to be a challenge, right? You are going to face trials and that perfectionism gets in the way because we're like, I don't want anyone not to like me. So I'm just going to be a little bit nicer about this. I'm going to say this nicely. or I'm going to, you know, that thing, obviously we want to come into it with love, but that's not the purpose. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is to serve the Lord and let Mm -hmm. him lead our lives so that we can help others to draw closer to him too. Mm -hmm. And so one thing I would love to hear is how do we recognize this in our own lives? How do we recognize the perfectionism? Because I I would assume we need to do that first before we can actually do something about it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think about the verse that talks about the fear of man is a snare. It's something that we stumble over. It's something that distracts us. It's something that pulls us out of, you know, the will of God and being able to discern what the, the voice of the Holy Spirit is saying. And so when, when we think about perfectionism, one of the questions that we tend to ask ourselves, and maybe even not aware that we do, is what are people going to think? What are people going to think about me when I do this? Like when I show up with these perfectly packed snacks for my kid's soccer game, what are all the moms going to think? Look at how great of a mom she is, you know, or I have this beautiful website put together for my business. And suddenly people are going to think, wow, she's really good at what she does because look at her website. So one of the things I think we can we can do, I think there are really three ways we can recognize perfection in our lives. And behavior is really the most obvious, right? Because it's action-oriented. It's things that we're doing. It's things that are on the outside. But if we were to think about how our behaviors are informed, we have to back up a couple of steps, right? Because our behavior is really starts from basically the second step before behavior is how do we feel about it? But then if we back up even farther than that is what do I think? So if we think about our behaviors, we study them, we look at them. And, and this is why I say perfection doesn't have to be a label of your whole life. It can be one area of your life. So consider and put everything on trial for its life of is my behavior in this area, the basic definition of perfectionism and perfectionism isn't just doing, it's also in the not doing. You're not moving forward and taking action. You're making excuses. You are lying to yourself about the expectation of how this is going to produce A, B, C, and D. So in order for me to get the outcome, then this has to be perfect, has to be pristine, has to look clear and clean and professional. Guess where you thought that though, right? You back up into, these are my feelings. I want people to accept me. I don't want to be ridiculed. I don't want to be humiliated. I don't want to look like a failure. And so then we look back into, you know, obviously where are those thoughts coming in from? Where did they start? And so we start to kind of what we call breadcrumbs. We kind of start to connect the breadcrumbs back to where those thoughts began. And a lot of our perfectionism didn't just happen overnight. You didn't just wake up one day and decide that you were going to be the perfect soccer mom or the perfect business owner. You decided probably when you were a little girl, when you were a teenager in high school, when you were in college, that someone said something to you or did something to you 
that started to create this unconscious dialogue that in order for you to be loved and accepted um, and, and known was that you needed to do things a certain way. For instance, for me, my, we had a very clean house growing up. <laughs> my, my dad to this day loves to do laundry and he will take hours folding every shirt pristine and the socks and the drawer. I mean, you should see his closet. It's pretty impressive. Uh, the same thing, you know, with my mom to a degree, when she was teaching me how to make the bed when I was, when I was younger, you know, you take the, the fitted sheet and then you put on the folded sheet and you fold the sheet into the mattress and then you pick up the corner and you tuck in the corner, right? There's this whole science to it. I don't know. And I remember her teaching me how to do that and not getting the sheet perfectly aligned on the mattress. And she would come in behind me and she would fix it. She would take out the folded sheet and she would redo the whole sheet all together. And I just remember sitting there saying to her, mom, it doesn't have to be perfect. And she goes, it's not a matter of being perfect. It's a matter of doing it right. And somewhere in my psyche for my growing up, it wasn't just me thinking I was being perfect. It was a matter of doing it right. And that lie actually was the seedbed of perfectionism in my life was realizing that I, I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to be told I'm wrong. I don't want to. And, and can I just say for all the women, how many of you women listening love you to be right? You love you some, right. You love being right. <laughs> you love um, having those conversations and being found out that you were actually the one that was in the right, because there's some level of gratification that you get from that. Because being wrong or being told you're wrong goes back to not just what you did was wrong, but you are wrong. It's an identity issue, right? So perfectionism, if we're stemming back to those, those, those conversations in your head when you were little with a parent, with a teacher, with a, with a coach, who and where and when did that conversation in your brain start, right? Mm. For me, it was my mom. It was not, I don't think she was vindictive and thinking, you know, you're always wrong. You know, it was just a matter of wanting to just do things right. Because inside something told me that if I was wrong, that I would never be accepted or be loved for who I was. So making mistakes, getting it, getting it wrong was not acceptable. Right. Cause I, it's this fear of rejection at the end of the day, it's this fear of failure. It's this fear of being humiliated, which is obviously a whole other conversation. So that would be my first question is, where did it come in? Follow the breadcrumbs, look at your behavior. What are you thinking about that behavior and how are you feeling? Because that is how the cycle continues. It starts with how I feel, starts or starts with what I think, it starts with how I feel and it expresses itself in my behavior. We don't slow down long enough to, to identify and sort of calculate my behavior and why I do the things that I do, then we'll actually never find the root of what the Lord is actually trying to touch to bring freedom and healing into my life. Mm -hmm. Super interesting. And as you're talking about that, the different thoughts, the feelings and behavior, I'm thinking back to what, what was my stem? And honestly, I think a lot of it came from, I was actually pretty successful in a lot of things that I did. And mm. so it was almost like, I have to hit the next level. I have to yeah. keep being successful. I can't mm. fail. And then it became a control. 
Mm. And I would yep. say perfectionism is a controlling factor as well. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. really interesting. I never even thought of it that way. Yeah, I think it's a protector. I think the the way that we protect ourselves, you know, at the core of who we are is through our perfectionism. You know, like I, for me, I, I, I'm one of those people and it's in here in my, in my DNA, my dad's side is, is Hispanic. So talk about Hispanic cultural things, you know, about work and appearance and, again, this sort of undercurrent of perfectionism, right? And, and it's really just to avoid being criticized. You know, I, we have a lot of strong Mexican women in my family and there's this, this bent towards the, having a critical spirit. So if I can appear that I have it all together, that I'm doing the right things, that I say the right things, even even how I present myself. I mean, there's stories of my dad and his siblings sitting on the front pew of church with my grandparents. And they tell stories to this day about how my grandma would just have to look at them if they got out of line in church. And so you knew you sat up straight and you kept your head forward and God forbid you fell asleep in the middle of service, you know, because grandma, my grandma, their mom would, you'd get a spanking when you got home. So I think those types of environments, those types of things are for you striving to this next level of, you know, excellence, um, which there is biblical excellence. And that's a whole other topic. I and mean, that's not what we're talking about this, but this next level of, of success, you know, that could be even defined by the world standards versus the Lord standards that becomes this protector. You know, for me, it was this protector of, I don't want to be, I don't want to be on my mom's bad side. So the protector of perfectionism allows me to keep her at bay, keep her pleased, keep her, um, you know, at peace with me. Um, And it's that fear of man, you know, rather than the fear of the Lord. And the fear of man is a snare. So if I continue to fear my mom or my coaches or my teachers or whoever, then it allows me to self-protect. And at the root of self-perfection or self-protection and and self-preservation is self, right? And if we think about self at the core of it, who also was thinking of themselves before he fell? Satan. Mm -hmm. Pride and self was the conduit, was the sort of the thing that broke the camel's back with, with Satan and Lucifer when he fell was this need to be independent of the Lord. I got it. I don't need you. I don't need you to protect me. I don't need you to guard me. I don't need you to do anything. And he fell. So when we think about self-preservation in our own lives, right, we're moving independently of the Lord. I got this, God. I don't actually need you to inform me of what to do or how to do it or what to say or or even to inform who I am. Because what is really on the pedestal, what is really an idol in my life is what everybody else thinks about me. So. I build the facade in order to control that environment that I've created so that nobody will come in. Nobody will, you know, inflict pain or harm into my heart or tell me that I'm wrong. Right. So it does, it becomes this need to control. It's based out of a religious spirit, right? It's the Martha spirit rather than the Mary spirit who just sat at Jesus feet when all the things needed to be done. Mary sat at his feet and Martha was doing and doing and doing and doing. 
in order to control her environment, control the facade. This is what Jesus expects of me. True. Did Jesus also expect Mary to sit at his feet and to grovel at every word that he was saying and to receive his love and his attention and his affirmation? Yes. That's what he wanted was her heart. So there's so many things to continue to say about that. But yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think control um, in any kind of control in our lives is, is, is a guard. It's a protector and it's protecting something. The question is what? Yeah. And I'm so glad you brought that up about the self too, because so many times I am Martha when I wish I could be Mary, (laughs) you know, I'm like, I just want to relax and bathe at his feet. And, Mm -hmm. and then I feel like, Oh, I have to do this. And I have to do this. Cause if I don't do this, it doesn't get done. And as entrepreneurs, we've been talking a lot on this podcast about how to let God lead in our businesses. Mm. Because I feel like that's something that is so detached too, is uh, we think, well, business and faith are separate. Well, they're not. And so how do we let God lead and how do we take, let go of control, still take action, but let go of control and let him lead. And I think that's what you're talking about here too. And I do want to kind of move into uh, what the root of perfectionism too. You might have some other thoughts on what I just said, but then um, let's also move into kind of what is that root of perfectionism? Where does it stem from? Yeah. So perfectionism really attacks two different things. It attacks our identity, who we are, who we are as women, who we are as daughters of Christ, and how that obviously plays out in all the roles that we have. But it also attacks our, our destiny, what we're called to, and our purpose. And so when we start with identity, the enemy isn't after your inaction. He's after your identity. So when we actually start to recognize that who I am called to be, who God says that I am, right? But we define it by what we do, right? Which is where that perfectionism spirit comes into play. And it tells us the reasons why we're doing it is I'm not enough. I am afraid of failure. I'm afraid of rejection. Where do those things come in, but through a spirit of shame? So like I talked about earlier, we can't modify our behavior. I can't do all the things, change my schedule, um, you know, be the perfect soccer mom and the best entrepreneur with the perfect website in order to be fully set free and healed. I can't. I'm going to be spinning around that mountain more times than I can count. But when I start thinking about shame, which shame, shame tells me that I am wrong. Like there's something wrong with me. That's why I can't be accepted. That's why I can't be known. That's why I can't be loved. There's something wrong with me. And so it, perpetuates this spirit of hopelessness it's never going to be good enough i'm never going to be good enough i'm never going to be skinny enough and it starts this dialogue well if i was a six-figure entrepreneur then my family would be best set up for success if i was skinnier maybe i would be loved it starts with this question of if if i were this if i was this if i did this And where that is coming from is the spirit of shame. I'm not good enough. So if I was this, then I would be accepted. I would be loved. I would be successful. So shame kind of comes in and it works actually with the spirit of fear. Fear of what people think. Again, fear of rejection. All those things I've listed. Fear of failure. Fear of humiliation. 
fear of not being accepted, not being loved. And then it couples with that spirit of shame about who I am. And so what we do is the protector comes in and she puts on her guard and she puts on her facade and her perfect makeup and her perfect soccer snacks. And she moves in this perfectionistic spirit because that keeps her in control of actually having to confront this root issue, these breadcrumbs of where shame comes in. And shame is, is demonic. Shame is a lie from the pit of hell that is keeping you back from moving not only in your divine purpose, but in the Holy Spirit-led, empowered woman of God that you are called to be. You have a destiny. You have, an, you have a calling. You have a purpose that God is moving you into, but you need to break up with the spirit of shame and who you are in Christ, in the kingdom of God, in order to move into that. And if you have not, then every tactic and strategy of the world, perfect website, perfect lead magnet, grow your email list, get on social media 365 days a year, 24-7, do all of the things that the world is telling you to do, modify your behavior, and then you'll have success. But can I just say that Jesus has more for you? That the Holy Spirit has way more than you having success by the definition of the world. He wants to see you fully free, fully healed, not moving in a spirit of shame that you're controlling through your behavior and your appearance and your facade, but filled with joy, filled with peace, fully loved, fully accepted, whether the to-do list gets done or not, whether the task list is still there at the end of the day. He doesn't love you any less. You're not any less perfect because you didn't get it done. So shame is really what we need to deal with when it comes to perfectionism, not the behaviors. And I think that is going to set somebody free even just listening to that truth because it's bringing revelation that maybe you don't know who you are in Christ. Or maybe you did when you were a little girl, but you've lost it in the to-do list of motherhood and entrepreneurism and marriage and ministry life. And you've forgotten that you are first and foremost a daughter of the Most High God. And that is where your identity stems from. And nobody else, nobody else can fulfill that purpose for you in Him, but you and Him alone. Yeah, so good. I'm sitting here winter going, preach it. <laughs> because I think we all need to hear this. And it's so, so true, because we do get caught up in the world in how what does success look like in the world? Mm -hmm. Oh, we have to do it this way, because that's how everyone else says to do it. And I got stuck in that early on in my business uh, career as well. And just recently have thrown out a lot of things, including social media altogether. Yeah. But saying, no, I'm going to do what God calls me to do, like where he yeah. calls me, even if it doesn't make sense, because it doesn't usually make sense. Right? right. And I think I needed to let go of, I mean, I've learned a lot about letting go of control, letting go of that perfectionism, letting go of that shame and having to do that in order to walk in that freedom of saying, right. no, I'm going to do it this way because that's where I feel like I'm supposed to instead right. of doing it the way that people tell me to. So, so, so important and so good. So many truths there. But I want to hear too, 
how do we move forward from this? Like, what are some steps that um, my listeners can take to move away from that perfectionism into this freedom? Because I'm sure they're listening going, I want that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, I think one of the first things, number one to do, if we recognize the two areas that perfectionism basically taints us through our identity and our destiny is number one, you have to slow down long enough to ask yourself the question of where is this active in my life? We're not going all the way deep yet. We're not going through deliverance and all the things yet. I want you to start with the very first question. If you think that this is an issue in your life because you don't know who you are in Christ or you're struggling with walking in your purpose and your calling is where does perfectionism have control of my life? And look through your behaviors, look through your roles, look through your task lists that you feel like, and this includes inaction. This includes things that you're not doing because it doesn't look perfect or you don't have it all together yet, or you haven't checked all the boxes yet. Where is perfectionism active in my life? And, and what's associated with those things is that question of, well, if I do this, then I will be successful. If I look this way to other moms or other people, then they will accept me and they will um, res- they will identify me as the s- successful person. So there's always an if statement attached to that revelation. Where is it active in my life? Because if I do if I do those things, then this is the result. So that would be my first question for you: Is I, I don't think we take time enough to sit with the Holy Spirit. And ask him to reveal to us, Lord, where is there perfectionism in my life? Where have I come into agreement? Where am I saying I am not good enough for this? Because when I do that, I'm agreeing with that shame. I'm I'm not good enough for this. So I, I need to get all my lead magnets and I need to get all my website stuff all put together, you know, in order for people to accept me as a legitimate business owner. And that's not true. So Think about those things. Where is it active in my life? And what lie is it attached to? If I do this, if I look like that, if this happens, then this is the result. Because there's somewhere in there that there there are lies attached to those things. So I would I would really start there and I would make a list, sit with Holy Spirit, put on some worship music, some soaking music, whatever have you, and allow him to bring to mind into your spirit what those things are. Because I'd venture to say you probably haven't sat long enough with him to allow him to speak into those things, to have the word, the last word about it. This is your permission to stop making excuses, to stop making justifications about why you do things or why you don't. Nobody else right now is in the room with you but the Lord. No one else is expecting the perfect answer from you. No one else is expecting you to be their all in all and be their fulfillment of everything that they need. You have permission to sit with your dad, with your father, God, and let him hold you and let him love you. So I would start there with the Holy Spirit and ask those things. And then as you do that, you want to, as you identify those things, write those things down. 
you want to break up with those lies. You want to reject them. Well, another word you want to use is you want to renounce them. You're basically saying, I am rejecting this. I am saying no in my life to these things. And say what those things are. I, I reject the lie that I am unaccepted. Because if I'm unaccepted, then nobody is ever, I'm always going to be lonely. I'm never going to have community. I'm never going to have family. See how that, even coming out of my mouth, you can tell that that is not truth. And it's obviously not from Holy Spirit because the scripture tells us that he has placed the solitary in families, right? The kingdom of God is not a corporation. It's a family. So if my, if my identity as a daughter coming out through my mouth is that I don't feel accepted because I didn't do the right thing or I need to have all the things right, then I have signed up for the wrong job <laughs> rather than being a daughter of the most high God. So I, I would say this prayer, I renounce the lie that if I put up the perfect website, then I am accepted and respected for who I am as an entrepreneur. I choose by faith to believe that I am accepted in the kingdom of God, that I am a daughter of the most high God and he loves me and he accepts me, accepts me for who I am, including as the entrepreneur he has called me to be. Thank you for your forgiveness. I choose to receive and agree by faith the truth of your word about who I am. In Jesus' name, amen. And I would just go through all those lies as it pertains to your identity. And then the same type of prayer into things about your destiny. And I can send this to you um, so that you can send it to your listeners as well. So they have sort of a framework of a prayer. But cleaning house every year like this is really helpful just to keep your temple clean, to keep your spirit clean. And it allows the channel of the Holy Spirit um, to be clear when he speaks to you. You're not clogging it up with all these lies and these things that um, don't bring him honor and they don't bring him glory. And they're clearly not spoken from your position in Christ. They're spoken from a spirit of shame that comes from the enemy. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah. So I don't know if that was helpful. That was, that was good. That was good. So I think it gave us some practical tips, some practical steps to get in contact and really just spend time with the Lord and know what to ask and know kind of what to look for. And so thank you for sharing that. And I would love to put that into the show notes. So definitely send it over for me. Uh, This was, I feel like that was a really great way to just kind of wrap it all up and all the things. So winter, this has been so fun. I know that my listeners are going to want to connect with you. Yeah. What what is the best place for them to do that? Um, Instagram, Facebook, website, winterbrookdigital.com. Perfect. And I'll leave a link in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing with us. I just so appreciate your wisdom too. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me today. I had a great time and I hope you did too. Before we go, though, make sure you follow the podcast on your favorite listening platform if you haven't already. If you resonate with this episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or share it with a friend as this helps grow the podcast. Also, if you're not a part of Simplicity and Motherhood, consider joining us. It's a free online community built to provide support and encouragement so you can create balance and live intentionally as you go after your biggest goals. 
God's way. Head on over to redhotmindset.com for more resources and to find the link to join the community. In all things I pray, you just run your race. I believe in you.